there are only three spots left in the final four. Can Martin Truex Jr. find a way in and grab one of those remaining spots? We're going to find out on this episode of The Stage Break. Episode 30 is officially underway. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. And whether you're listening to the show for the first time, or even if you've been one of the ones that's been following along through most of the season, thank you so much for tuning in, checking out the show. I'm really glad you're here, and I hope you enjoy everything that we talk about today. Well, to start off today's show, just going to go over some of the NASCAR headlines that's come out this week, and you may already be aware of them, but uh, just a couple of ones that, that I think are significant to this week. The biggest one is obviously the the turnaround of the penalty that was handed out to Ryan Blaney. You may remember even from that, right after the race, you know, he was penalized for a shock that was too short on the left front. Um, however, NASCAR rescinded that penalty, and put him back and gave him his points back that he had earned throughout that race. Um, And that's a really, really big deal because it really put Ryan Blaney in a must-win situation if he were to advance into the Final Four. Uh, But now that they've put the the points back, given them back to him, now he's only 17 points below the cut line, and making it into the Final Four is a lot more achievable now than it was before. He, he might still be in a must-win situation, but uh, there is the chance that maybe some playoff drivers could, um, could have uh, some goofs, and that really puts him into a position where he could to capitalize on that. So, um, and, and the reason NASCAR rescinded it, if you didn't hear, was because, if I, if I got that right, the template that they use to gauge whether or not the shocks are too big, not too big, but in this case too small, too short from end to end, um, they had an issue with that. They didn't reveal what the issue was, but they said there were some inconsist- inconsistencies, and uh, they awarded him his points back. So um, that's a good thing to see, and I'm glad that NASCAR did that, um, kind of took a step up and um, you know, just kind of got things right from something that was a mistake and, uh, and put Ryan Blaney back into the, the fight, so to speak. So that was a really big deal that happened uh, this week as things unfolded after the race at Las Vegas. The other thing in news that I'm just going to highlight here is that John Hunter Nemechek is going to be racing in the Cup Series this weekend at Homestead. Um, originally, Carson Hosovar had been uh, slated to run the 42 car for the remainder of the season. However, um, Legacy Motor Club is getting a, a little bit of a trial run here with John Hunter Nemechek at Homestead. It's a nice warm-up for next season, but um, at the end of the day, there's too many variables that are going to be changing from this race and this season into the next. They're going from transitioning from Chevy to Toyota, um, you know, and, it, and still, it's you get a little, you get your feet a little bit wet with your crew chief, your pit crew, uh, the organization as a whole. But there's going to be a lot of changes that happen. So um, there'll be some things that I'm sure they'll take from this weekend and they'll apply as they go into the 2024 season. But uh, all that to say, it's a good it's a good trial run. It's it's a good you know to kind of like I said, just get their feet wet, 
Um, it's, and it's going to be, it's going to be beneficial in the end. So, and I'm excited to see what he does. You know, Carson Hosevar has been able to get into that car and perform better than Noah Gregson had been doing pretty much all season. Um, now he, he only had a few races at, at most that we're going to have to look at. So that's not an entirely accurate representation of Noah Gregson's season. Um, but all the, all that to say, he was able to get in the car and perform better right out of the gate. And I'm curious how John Hunter Nemechek is going to do in the car as well. I, I, I expect really good things from him. Um, but that's, that's a, a little bit of a switch up than what we had originally been told, even I think just last week or maybe a couple weeks ago. So we'll see how things go for John Hunter Nemechek this weekend at Homestead. You know, this show is in a lot of different places. There's, uh, you can find this show on my website. You can find it on Spotify. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, iHeartRadio. And then obviously you, you've got a lot of different connections that I have out there. Um, so let me just highlight for you really quick, different ways that you can find this show, maybe different or maybe a little bit even more convenient for you. Um, obviously the website is the stagebreakpodcast.com. You can find some, you know, a little bit of race information for the week ahead on there on that homepage. You can find our three most recent episodes. There's some snapshots of some of the recent social media posts that you can click on and check those out. Um, there's some links there that'll be helpful, helpful for you. You can also find me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, which YouTube, um, you may be watching this on YouTube. Uh, you know, hint, hint, go check out my channel, Stage Break Podcast there. Um, you, know, you can find me on those different places and follow along. I, I'll try to do posts throughout the week and especially on the race weekend, get some interaction from you guys as listeners. And also you can find me on Buy Me a Coffee. You say, what in the world is Buy Me a Coffee? It's like Patreon. Um, it's uh, Although the platform Patreon has grown and uh, is kind of, in my opinion, has gotten to the point where it's it's more for the the people that have uh, that do this kind of content creating professionally. They do it. Uh, that's their job. And um, getting through the door with Patreon is now that you know they have membership tiers and stuff. Buy me a coffee. Um, it's just a lot simpler. You know, it's the same type of thing. It works very similar, uh, but it's it's uh, I don't know. It's it's a lot simpler for me, and it's a lot simpler for you as a. Uh, uh, someone who's going to take advantage of some content that someone is promoting. Now, I'm not telling you this about buy me a coffee so that you can, I can corner you into going and, and giving some money towards the show. Um, if you want to, that's fine. But I intend on using buy me a coffee as uh, kind of that place where you can get some behind the scenes content for free. Um, buy me a coffee has the ability for you to follow uh, my page if you support it, if you if you sign up for some of the memberships, which right now not that great. Next season, I anticipate them being a lot better and uh, you know more beneficial for what you're getting in return, or for what you're giving. Um, all that to say, there there those things are there, but you can utilize BuyMeACoffee.com/slash the Stage Break Podcast for absolutely free, and you'll get you know behind the scenes content, um, you know posts and updates on the show that I'm not going to put on social media. Um, maybe even some places where I can get, you know, some, some input from you guys. And so if, you know, you want to be involved in the show from kind of a, um, you know, coming in the back door, so to speak, 
So that's the place to do it. Buymeacoffee.com slash the stage break podcast. There's also a couple of links on my website, um, one at the top and one about halfway down. So if that's something that you want to do just to, at the very least, just to have some, you know, insight into some of the things that's coming up, maybe some behind the scenes content, uh, some things here and there that I'm just not going to put on YouTube or Instagram or Facebook. That's, that's where you need to follow along. So go to that page. There's three little dots on the corner of your page. Hit that. There's a follow button. Put in an email address. And anything that comes out, I, it will be sent your way, and you'll be able to catch up on that right away. Well, let's get into the main subject for today's show. The question is, is Martin Truex Jr. going to pull through and make it into the Final Four? You look at the season that he's had, multi, multi-winner this season, really good season leading up to the playoffs. But now that we're in the playoffs, it hasn't been that great. He's uh, had, I think, last race. Yeah, last race at Las Vegas was his best finish in the playoffs. I think that was ninth. So uh, ninth or tenth, I I didn't look that up to remind myself. But either way, average finish prior to that, it was like 15th to 20th. And so he's been kind of getting by on points this entire playoff run. And now he's to the place where he can't do that anymore. Uh, I mean, he can technically, yes, but so can a lot of other guys. So, um, and and the the points situation as it sits right now, they're the you know from like third place, yeah, third third place and fourth place are both tied. That's Martin Truex Jr. and Denny Hamlin at plus two above the cut line, and then the other guys, I think. uh, Chris, uh, Chris Busher is at the bottom in eighth place right now, and he's like minus 26, I think. So all that to say that it used to be, you know, last round, Denny Hamlin had a point advantage of 50 points above the cut line, and then there were guys that were 30 below. So you have like an 80-point spread. Now we're talking about what, a 28-point spread? And then to go from third place to fifth place or sixth place, really, really tight. So if he's banking on points to get into the final four, he has to perform, get some stage points, you know, go out here, um, uh, maybe win a stage, get a solid finish. That's got to happen if he isn't able to get a win. Uh, but, the, I mean, ultimately, let's just break down whether or not we think that it's possible. Can he do this? Uh, he's had a difficult playoff run, yes. But, honestly, I think his chances are better than a lot of guys that are still remaining in the playoffs, and specifically the four guys that are below the cut line. Because right now, he is above the cut line. So if he maintains, he's in. You know, if there, well, you know, unless there's, a, a, you know, some other playoff drivers that tag some wins, and all of a sudden we're down to one person getting in on points. So if that's the scenario, he's he's got to perform really, really well to be at the top of that list. Uh, and I think his chances are better to do that than the other guys. So let's just look at his averages for the next two tracks. We've got Homestead this weekend, and we've got Martinsville the weekend after that. His average finishing position in his three most recent races at Homestead is a 7.0. He's got one top five, two top tens. No wins, but uh, he has won there before. He won a championship there. So he knows about Homestead. He's got some experience there. He can do it. And honestly, uh, last year at Homestead, his 
he had really solid a really solid run. I think that's where his top five came from. He, he both stages as well as the finish of the race. He was up there towards the front. I think he finished third last year. So he was there. He was in the hunt. Uh, just didn't pull it out. So all that to say though, he's got a really good average finishing position of seventh over three. You know, averaging over three races. That's pretty good. I think if he pulls out and and just has a regular consistent day and matches up to that. That's going to go a long way to getting him into the Final Four. Now let's talk about Martinsville. Martinsville is even better. His average finish is 10.4, so that's, you know, by average, it's worse than Homestead's. However, this is over a seven-race span. So we're talking about seven races, not three. And of those seven races, he's won two of them. So he's got that. And then, on, you know, in addition to that, four top fives. So two wins and then two additional top fives out of seven races. The other ones, he had some some issues and obviously put him back further in the pack, but all that to say, um, his average is a little bit worse, but he's got some wins, right? So, and, uh, and, and actually, and as far as Martinsville and the recent races, which is, you know, from driveraverages.com, um, it, it, a lot of times they have it from like 2020 on. So it's not, you know, pre-2020, the, the numbers aren't there unless you go dig them, dig for them. But, uh, so looking at these numbers here, uh, since 2027 races, he's won two of them. There's not another driver, active driver right now, that has won more than one race since 2020. Martin Truex Jr. is the only one. So um, he, he, he's got the experience there, and I think they've got the notebook to be able to come back and, and, and run well. Now, I think those wins, if I remember, nope, I'm not going to say that because I think I might be wrong. Just all that to say, he, he's he's got the wins there. He's got two wins. He's got the experience. It's a good track for him. I mean, his name's in the track, right? Martinsville. So, um, yeah, that was kind of corny. But the whole point is he can run well at Martinsville. So let's just look at those two tracks. He can perform well at Homestead. He has won at Homestead in the past. He's had some solid finishes at Homestead recently. And at Martinsville, he's run really well. He's got two wins in the last three years. Uh, four top fives over seven races. His chances on paper look really good. And that's kind of what we're coming back to. He's been strong both at Homestead and Martinsville. Chances, as I said before, they just look better for Martin Truex Jr. than for the four drivers below the cut line, which are Christopher Bell, who's at minus two, Tyler Reddick, who's minus 16, Ryan Blaney, which is minus 17, and Christopher Busher minus 23, not 26, as I said earlier. Here's the deal, though. Those are just numbers, right? Those are just statistics, and they don't mean anything at the end of the day. Ultimately, it's up to him and his team to come out and execute. Can they do that, though? I think they can. They've, they've got the history. They've got experience. They've had a lot of time working together. And let's kind of take this into consideration, too. Last week at Vegas... They kind of got themselves into a hole, right? The the you know, uh, his crew chief called him in. Actually, no, a crew chief kept him out so that they could keep a set of tires. I believe was what the strategy was. Ultimately, it led to, to them going further back in the pack later on because of the the way that things played out with track position, and he had to tooth and claw his way back. But he did, and he got his his playoff best finish. Um, of the season so at least in the, in the playoffs I'm talking about uh, so th they were able to come back and then you know after putting themselves way behind 
and a situation where it was really hard to pass, really hard to get track position, and they managed to get a top 10 out of it. So for them, that's not as good as what they were hoping for initially. But after being way back in the pack and struggling to get back through, I kind of see that as a little bit of momentum for them and a situation where they they got a result that was better than maybe they thought they would have gotten halfway through the race, just looking ahead at the potential. So it's kind of a little bit of a win. And plus, you've got the pre- previous success at the next two tracks. I think you combine those two things, and it kind of, to me, it leans toward Martin Truex being more likely to get into the Final Four than some of these other guys. Would I like Christopher Busher or Tyler Reddick or Ryan Blaney to come up here, up here and upset the playoff picture? Absolutely. I think that would be so cool. And, you know, not, not that I, I want Martin Truex Jr. or William Byron not to get in. I think they deserve to get in. But, I mean, what do we want? We want drama. We want storylines. We want things to, to be shaken up and things to happen that we weren't expecting to keep us on the edge of our seats. I mean, as fans, that's what we want. So, I think that's possible, um, and I think it, it could, and like I say, it could happen, but just to look at likelihood, I don't know. I, I, I think you're going to, there's a reason these playoff drivers are in the position that they're in. It's because they've consistently been performing throughout the season. Martin Truex Jr. performed earlier, and it's allowed him to be in the position he's in now, and I think he has the ability to perform again. And I think we got a glimpse of what they have in store for the next two races at Las Vegas when they were put behind and they're able to pull through anyway. So let's go ahead and preview this weekend's race, the Forever 400 at Homestead Miami Speedway. My home state of Florida, wish it was a little bit closer. Uh, Homestead's a cool track I, I think I'd like to go to at some point if possible. Uh, just a little bit too far for me, but... All that to say, Homestead Miami Speedway, 267 laps. The stages are exactly the same. The race length is exactly the same as Las Vegas last week. The time is the same, 2.30 in the afternoon Eastern time broadcast on NBC. Now, what should we expect on the track this weekend? It is a true oval. There is no tri-oval. There is no D-shaped. You've got, you know, for all intents and purposes, two straightaways with two very similar corners on each end. It is progressively banked, and uh, as far as what we think for expectations, I think it'll be the stereotypical homestead where um, maybe initially there'll be grip there on the bottom, wrapping wrapping that line, but as tires wear out, as time goes on, uh, they're going to shift up higher and higher um, and eventually be right up on the wall using that air cushion uh, between the car and the wall to to get them some, some extra speed through the corners. Because of the track and the, the, the way it is with the progressive banking, there's a lot of real estate, and just about every lane can be used. So three and four wide restarts are going to be a factor here at Homestead this weekend. Now, who are my ones to watch? Well, I've got, as, as I've been doing recently, um, you got an input on this. Let me know if, what you think about it. But I've kind of been doing two categories, storyline drivers and then contenders, and the drivers that I think are going to be towards the front. It's kind of, you know, for me, looking at a race, There, sometimes I'll be interested in who's going to, obviously everyone wants to know who's going to win the race. Who are the ones that are going to be towards the front 
fighting for the lead. And that's what the, you know, the TV broadcast emphasizes, right? The, the ones that are towards the front. But there's also those times where I want, there's these storyline drivers that I want to keep an eye on, not because I think that they're going to get a top five, uh, but because I, just the scenario and maybe think how things have been playing out for them recently. I want to know how they're going to do this weekend. So who are the storyline drivers for this weekend? It's obviously the playoff drivers, the eight playoff drivers. Um, Kyle Larson, uh, by the way, we'll talk more about him in a minute. Hint, hint. Uh, he's obviously locked into the Final Four, but he would love to be able to keep other playoff drivers from locking themselves in as well. So he's uh, he's one that, yeah, you don't have to keep an eye on him to see if he's going to make it to the Final Four. He's already there, but uh, he has other, he can play defense a little bit and competing and running well. So uh, all all eight of the playoff drivers, you got to keep an eye on them. And the broadcast is going to do a great job of that on Sunday. So we don't have to belabor that. But in addition to them, as I already mentioned earlier in this show, keep an eye on John Hunter Nemechek in the 42 car. I'm just, I would be curious to see how he does in that and just look at him, you know, as a whole throughout the weekend, see how he qualifies, see how he runs, see what he can do with that 42 car that maybe, um, Noah Gregson or Carson Hosevar could not do. Um, or, I don't know, it's just a good gauge. Now, it is his first time in this next-gen car. Um, there's there's things he's going to be getting his feet wet and trying to figure things out, so it's not going to be a, a 100% true gauge of his um, ability in this car or in the 42 car with this team, but it is uh, it is his first race with him, so... Um, that's, you know, you gotta, gotta, gotta keep an eye on it and see what he does. Um, you know, at least for me, I'm interested to see how he performs and where he finishes the race. So then let's talk about the contenders who I think is going to be at the front of the field this weekend at Homestead. I've got three drivers for you. And as a matter of fact, they're all recent winners at Homestead Miami Speedway from 2020 to 2022 there's been three races at homestead and your three recent winners are the ones that are on my list you've got kyle larson who was last year's winner and very dominant uh, at that he won both stages as well as the race so he swept the entire race led 199 laps uh kyle larson um, is, is one that you better keep an eye on, and I can almost guarantee he's going to be towards the front. It's just right in with his racing style. He loves to be against the wall, pushing the envelope, and this is the scenario where you can do it. You know, last week at Las Vegas where he saved the car, and some people said, oh, it didn't save it, the wall saved him. Nah, he saved it. You know, the, the wall helped, but ultimately, had he just done nothing, I think he still would have gone around. He saved that car, and... um that was a special scenario. Like that's not normally an incident that someone saves here at Homestead. Once they start running that wall, it's kind of like Darlington. Like you can brush up against the wall and it doesn't kill your day, especially with these next gen cars they are really tough. So, um, this, this plays right into his hand. He's going to be up there pushing the envelope, I'm sure. And, uh, he's going to be fast. So keep an eye on Kyle Larson. Number two to the 2021 winner, William Byron. He's been very successful this season, obviously, and he wants to lock his way into the Final Four here at Homestead. Keep an eye on him. And then Denny Hamlin, your 2020 winner, um, and he's, he's in the same boat. He, he's had a really good season, and he's looking for that first championship. He's really motivated, 
I think he's one that you're definitely going to have to keep an eye on at Homestead. So these three guys, Kyle Larson, William Byron, Denny Hamlin, three recent winners. Now, Denny Hamlin, not a winner in the next-gen car, but Kyle Larson and William Byron are, both from Hendrick. So um, you, you can think that maybe Chase Elliott, Alex Bowman might be up there in the mix as well. But uh, for sure, Kyle Larson and William Byron. And I'm thinking that Denny Hamlin, he's probably going to have a pretty good day at Homestead. Well, that's going to wrap things up for today's episode. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe. And if you want to support the show, you can do so on our website. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the race at Homestead. And I'll catch you at the next stage break.